Everybody doing okay? Good. Hey, it's nice to be able to sing a worship song and not suck that mask in, right? That was always, it's always fun. Have this deep connection with God. You take a breath to sing the next chorus, swallow your mask, you know? Good times, good times. Uh, uh, two things. One, um, well, I, and, and I guess the, the, I'm kind of blending two things together, but if you didn't make it out to the worship night Friday, it, it was really, really special. It was a really, really good night. And um, I want to I wanna encourage you guys, if you don't go out to the, to the fountains much and support the businesses out there, um, we got to know the guy that, that owns and developed the fountains really well, and, and, and he's a stand-up guy, big Christian, really, really good dude, and um, his name's Scott, and he just really went out of his way uh, to let us use that property, and he hopes to do it again in the future, and we're, we would love to do it again in the future. It's a perfect spot, but um, it was really, really good. So go out there and support them, and it was just a good night getting to work with uh, First Baptist over off Castle Avenue and New Vision. Um, it's just really, really special. And hopefully that'll be a trend in the future to where we can just pull more and more churches into that and, and kind of get more co, uh, kind of a cohesive unit going on there. But so I, I want to say this. And I know you guys are smart enough to pick up on this. And, and so you, you probably already know this if you've come to church here. So we don't just do those worship nights just to brag on having five or 6,000 people in a field. That's not why we do that. What that is is that casts out a net, right? You can, you can bring people to, to that and it's low impact and it's fun and you know the cool lights and the big screens and the whole nine yards, good music. And that's basically like a door. And the door hopefully gets people to come to a weekend service where they can hear the gospel. And on weekends like this, we specifically follow up our worship nights with baptism services in the hopes that maybe God has touched some people's heart throughout the weekend. We can teach them about baptism and, and they can take that step in their faith. So... My big goal today, and, and again, even beyond that, that's why we have Isaac up here introducing our following Jesus class that takes people further and further. And, and we're not trying to like bait and switch or trick you. We're, we're very deliberate and we're very vocal about we want to get you in a process, not to brag about how big our church is or whatever the case is. We want you to get you in a process so you get closer to Jesus. I mean, that's the whole point is just to get more and more people in a relationship with God and in a deep relationship with God. So that's what we're working to do, okay? So that was kind of the first thing. Um, the second thing is really, really stupid, but it's a fun story, and my wife wanted me to tell it to you. So um, Fridays are our, our day dates. That's the, every Friday. My wife and I, we hang out all day, and, and sometimes we'll do something nice and fancy, because um, and, and, you can tell by looking at me, it's just how I am, you know? Uh, but um, no, no. <laughs> And then some days we're just, we just like literally, we'll bum around or we'll just like stay at home and watch a movie during the day and just eat junk food or whatever. And um, Friday though, we went out and we got some sushi because we like sushi and got some lunch and um, she had to pay the water bill. And every single bill we pay, including like our tithing here, everything is like automated. So you don't have to do anything, right? And the only one for some reason that we haven't automated <laughs> is the water bill. And so I never pay the water bill. She does. And so we go to the water place right off the square. And um, they have the old tube things. You know, the tube things that you stick it in the thing that sucks it up and shoots it off. The tubes. Everyone knows the tubes. Young people, you're going to miss out on wonderful things like the tubes that used to be at banks. <laughs> and if I was a billionaire, we would have tubes in this church. I don't know why. Uh, I want to be able to write something send it in a tube over to Kyle. And he's like, you know, hey, good day. You know, and he sends it back over and I pull out. and I just want to do it one day. We'll get there. Uh, so we roll up to the water department and um, out of sheer laziness, 
I get like three-fourths of an inch away from that tube because I don't want to stretch too far to like put my bill in the tube, right? And um, <laughs> so driving my wife's car and I get right up next to the tube. Uh, put put the, the check in there, right? Sends off, comes back. She says, thank you, thank you, Mr. Trimble. Appreciate your, you know, your, your you know, just thank you. And, and so I go to get my receipt out of the tube and I drop the tube and I drop it and I'm like, crap, man, the tube. And Alicia's chuckling and um, I, I go and because I parked so dang close to the tube, I couldn't get my door open. So I, I, I get it open about this much and I'm, I'm a husky fellow, right? That's what your mom calls you when she doesn't want you to feel like you're fat. And so, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I... I'm squeezing out this door, man, trying to get to the tube. And I finally squeeze out and I look down and the tube is gone. And it has rolled under my car uh, towards the other side of the parking lot. And Alicia never gets out. She had eight feet. And um, but she, she, she thought it was hilarious. And she's got her head like this. And she's laughing, and I, I look for the tube. It's underneath the car, right in the middle, so I have to get under the car, and I'm trying to get the tube. I get out, and the ladies in the water department are having, like, they're in, like, hysterics in there. And it was like, like being in a part of, like, a zoo uh, thing. And all these women were at the class looking at me. And I finally get the tube, put it in there, and good day. And I'm praying, I'm like, God, I hope no one who goes to the church is anywhere within this block because I look like an idiot. <laughs> and so, and again, Alicia did not help me one time. And I want everyone to know that. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, there's a snippet of my life. So, yeah, aren't you thankful you're not me? Um, okay. So here's my point today. Here's, here's, uh, here's what I want to uh, try to accomplish today. I already made you laugh. That's a good thing. Um, I want to, if you have already been baptized, but maybe you're not super educated on the conversation of baptism, uh, pay attention today, because maybe this is something you can teach other people. You can be a little bit more learned about what it means to be baptized and why it's such a big deal. My second goal today is if you have not been baptized or maybe you were baptized at such a, a young age, it wasn't your choice or you didn't know what you're doing. My goal is to persuade you that this is a very, very monumental step in your faith and that hopefully you will take that step today, okay? So we got clothes, the water's warm, we have towels, we have everything ready to go for you, completely low impact, completely convenient, and um, so hopefully I'll accomplish uh, one of those two goals or both of those goals before the end of this. So you should have got a notes handout when you walked in. Everything's on the app, everything's on the screens, and we should be ready to go, and we'll go through it pretty quick, okay? So let me pray, and um, we'll see where... See where God takes us, okay? All right. Lord Jesus, God, we love you. We thank you. God, I love this church so much. God, it is really, really wonderful to be worshiping right now as we're doing, God, just to have a, a, a full room. And um, it's just really nice, God. Thank you for that. Lord, uh, we thank you for all the churches that we got to worship with Friday, Lord. I pray specifically for Brady and James, God, my friends who pastor New Vision and First Baptist, God. We pray for all the churches in our city. Thank you, Lord, for all the money that's been raised for Doors of Hope. God, it is such a blessing to be able to give them 40 grand, God, to bless them in their ministry and what they're doing. I pray that you continue to bless them. And God, if there's anyone today that needs to take this step, I pray that you just firmly but, but gently nudge them in the right direction, God, and help us. Lord, we love you, Father. We thank you. We pray all these things in your son's name, God, in Jesus' name. 
amen. Okay, if you have never heard me talk about baptism, the idea of baptism is, is relatively simple. It is a public display or a public profession that you're following Jesus Christ, right? The Bible calls this taking on a new persona, taking on a new man or a new woman. I always use the analogy of a wedding ring because it's very simple and it kind of helps me understand it. And so when we take on our wedding ring, this is not my marriage, but it is symbolic of the fact that I am taken, I am spoken for, if you will. That is not your salvation, but it is a response to being saved and it is saying to the world around you, I belong to my husband, who is Jesus Christ, right? And so that's all that is. So basically, in a very, very simple way, baptism identifies us as Christians. And we don't do membership at this church. I'm not knocking on churches that do membership. Because the Bible doesn't really speak about specific membership into a church. The Bible speaks about membership into the family of God. And this is kind of the adoption process, if you will, is through baptism. It's the most blatant evidence that we are in the family of God. It should also be a turning point. What that means is this. As we get closer and closer in our relationship with God, we kind of keep turning and turning more and more to go God's direction, to look like God, think like God, act like God, and we move further away from what we used to be. This is one of those turning points. When we believe in Jesus, there's a turn. When we repent for our sin, there's a turn. When we take the obedient step of baptism, we are further turning towards him. It is a step. It is a mile marker, and it's a big one, okay? So here's what I want to do. I want to give you evidence if you have not taken this step. There was a young man who was here last night. He says he's been coming here for years, always avoided these services because he knew he needed to do it. He just didn't want to hear about it. And he happened to be there last night because he forgot it was baptism weekend, right? <laughs> Got baptized last night. But my hope is, yeah, isn't that cool? But my hope is, is to give you evidence, right? That, that supports the claim that baptism is important. The first one is this, and it may be uh, maybe the most important. Jesus was baptized. So Jesus set the example. When Jesus comes onto the scene, if you read this Bible from cover to cover, which is quite a task, it's a good task, but it's a task. If you go through this, in the Old Testament, the process by which humans were reconciled to God, that they addressed their distance from God and the sin in their life, was through sacrifice. They would take an animal, they would kill it, they would pour blood on an altar, they would discard parts, burn parts, eat certain parts. It was a pretty arduous process. And what that did, Hebrews chapter 10 says, that that didn't completely alleviate sin. It kind of rolled it forward or pushed it forward, if you will. And so when Jesus comes onto the scene in Matthew, right, that we're studying right now, Jesus changes the, the process by which humanity is reconciled or made right with God. And baptism is a part of that. That by believing in Jesus, by being baptized and asking God to forgive us of our sins, our sins are not pushed forward to be dealt with again next year. They are completely obliterated. That debt is removed. It is gone. And we saw this in the beginning of the book of Matthew. There was a guy named John the Baptist, which his sole job, oddly enough, was to baptize people day in, day out. Jesus goes into the Jordan River one day, sees John the Baptist, walks up to John the Baptist and says, John, I need you to baptize me. Now, John would have had the same, he did have the same response that I think we would have had if you knew who Jesus was. John says, well, basically, you're God in the flesh. I, I, I'm not even fit to, to untie your shoes, let alone baptize you. But Jesus explains to John, I am doing this to set an example. He says, look, it should be done to carry out what God requires. 
So John understood that Jesus was setting a new precedent, a new standard. So John agreed, takes Jesus, baptizes Jesus. It says when Jesus comes out of the water, the Holy Spirit comes down, descends on him like a dove. And we hear the Lord's voice in the book of Matthew say, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Now, what is interesting is this. Jesus was just modeling for us what we need to do. He didn't need to do it because Jesus didn't have any sin. He was perfect. He had nothing to repent for or get baptized for. But he wanted to set an example for us. And this really shows us how good of a leader Jesus is. Jesus never asks us to do anything that he hasn't already done first. We also see that obedience to God pleases God. God looks down at his obedient son and says, this is my son that brings me great joy because of his obedience. So the first piece of evidence is Jesus did it, right? He sets the example, the precedent for us when it comes to baptism. Now, if you move a little bit further through the New Testament, after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you come to the book of Acts. Now, the book of Acts is a fascinating book. And we hear of baptism again in chapter two of the book of Acts. And so what happens is this. The disciples have been in a relationship with Jesus after Jesus is crucified and resurrected. Jesus tells his disciples to go to Jerusalem and and, and get an apartment down there and to wait for the Holy Spirit. And there is this process that is taking place. And in all of our lives, as we come into a relationship with Jesus, there's a process. And over time, throughout the process, we get to be closer and closer to God. The fancy Christian word for that is sanctification, which simply means we're being used by God. We're being set apart for God to use us. And as we move in this relationship with God, there are different promises that God has for us. They're called conditional promises. There's unconditional promises in the Bible and conditional ones. The conditional ones simply mean this. If you do this, I will do this. For example, one of the promises in the Bible that's conditional is, is it says that if you move towards God, God will draw close to you, right? If you do this, I will do this. We come across another one of those promises, and I'll read it for you here in a second, that if we ask Jesus to forgive us of our sins, if we're baptized as a public statement of our faith, he promises that the Holy Spirit of God will infill us and empower us to live a life that pleases God. We find that in Acts chapter two. Let me go back there. So what is happening in Acts chapter two is there's about 120 or so Christians. They're hanging out in this rented apartment building. They're waiting on the Holy Spirit. They have no idea what that's gonna look like, but they were told to wait. As they're praying and they're waiting for the Holy Spirit, it says in Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit comes in like a rushing mighty wind, fills everyone in the room with God's Spirit. They flood out onto the streets. They start worshiping God in languages that they weren't supposed to be able to speak, fluent languages from all around the world. They're praising God. And they're in downtown Jerusalem, so there's people from all over the world walking around. And they hear the Christians praising their God in their tongue, right? And they're like, well, that's interesting. They must be drunk or something, which for any of you who made the mistake of getting intoxicated, I never spoke like fluent Spanish or French when I got drunk, but that's what they assumed for some crazy reason. And they said the Christians must be drunk. Well, Peter heard this and Peter gets in front of the crowd and he says, they're not drunk. This is the Holy Spirit being poured out on people. And Peter says, our prophets told us this was going to happen. 
Hundreds and hundreds of years ago, the prophet Joel said, God will pour out his Holy Spirit on all of his people. That's what's happening right now. Peter went on to say the reason why this is happening is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was crucified for our sins. And then he pointed at the people and he said, and you guys did it. So the people's hearts were touched by that. And they asked the million-dollar question. They said, well, Peter, what do we do now? And here's the response. Peter replied, repent, be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all those who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. There's that conditional promise. If you do this, you will get this. It goes on to say, with many other words, he testified and he urged them, be saved from this corrupt generation. This is important in blue. So those who accepted the message, that's the gospel, right? Those who accepted that were baptized. About 3,000 that day were added. So what we see is this, is when we're obedient to God, the Holy Spirit is activated in our lives and we are given gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, a lot of people get scared of that. You don't need to be scared about it. You just need to be educated about it. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning the Holy Spirit. And he writes 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, all about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So I recommend you read those. And the reason why God activates the Holy Spirit in us and gives us the fruit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit is so we can go out and advance the kingdom of God. So we can be what we're supposed to be, the husbands, moms, fathers, wives, employers, employees, whatever, that we can go out and be the light because we can't be the light without the Holy Spirit working in us. And baptism plays a part in that activation of the Holy Spirit in us. Now, another piece of evidence is that Jesus simply tells us to get baptized. This may be the most blatant piece of evidence, the most kind of concrete thing, right? If you're trying to make an argument for baptism. I don't know if any other parent in this room, when my wife and I had our first child, we swore we would never be the parents that said, because we said so, or because I told you so. I don't know if any other parents made this mistake, right? I will never be that parent. I don't know, any of you who have multiple kids, you have your first and they're perfect and you become kind of that pretentious, arrogant parent. Look at their kids. And then you have your second, right? And you're like, oh, there's that humility. Okay, gotcha. So. I can't tell you how many times I've looked at my children and been like, because I'm dad, right? Why, dad? Because I'm dad. That's why you do this. And I think with God, it's the same way. We often want to debate and argue God. And look, I'll be straight up with you. I don't mind telling you. I cannot explain why everything that's in this Bible is in this Bible. I can't explain to you all of it. But I know that it is imperative as a follower of Jesus that I do what God tells me to do, regardless if I understand it or not. I feel like sometimes God looks at us and says, because I'm God. Why, God? Because I made you. That's why, right? And we're supposed to do what he tells us to do. And one of the things that Jesus blatantly tells us in this room to do is right as Jesus is ascending into heaven after he's crucified, he looks at his people and he says, I want you to do three things. Make disciples, baptize them, and teach them. It is that simple. And then he goes on to say, and I'm with you. That's the Holy Spirit that we were talking about. I'm with you to the end of the age. But it was very, very, if you break this down with a Greek lexicon, it says exactly that. Make disciples, baptize people, and teach them everything I've taught you. It was a direct command from Jesus himself. Jesus also says in the Gospel of John, look, even Jesus plays the because I'm dad card, right? 
If you love me, you'll keep my commands. If you follow me, do what I tell you to do. Sometimes it is that simple. We just need to do what Jesus tells us to do. Another, and this is probably my favorite piece of evidence, okay? Baptism is symbolic. It's symbolic of a death and a resurrection. What that means is this, baptism is symbolic of us getting a fresh start, us getting a clean slate. And for those of us who've made a lot of mistakes, that's pretty attractive. Baptism is a symbolization of us going down and dying to our old selves and being risen again. So if you get baptized today, the old you is gone. That's why I get really uh, uh, frustrated when I hear Christians say things like, I'm just a dirty sinner. You're not a dirty sinner, right? You're not a, you've been delivered of that. Doesn't mean you're perfect. You might still make mistakes, but the Bible says you are a new creation. You're not what you were before you got into that water. So let's change our verbiage about ourselves. There was a young lady Saturday night, and I hope I don't embarrass her, but I, I, I'm bragging on her. We were going to get baptized. She was going to get baptized Saturday night, and I'm just talking with her. Hey, tell me a little bit about you. And she goes, well, I'm an alcoholic. I've been sober for six years. And I said, then you're not an alcoholic. You have been delivered of that. God has set you free of that. So let's look at ourselves a little bit differently. You're no longer a slave to the things that you used to, to be a part of. So we're all born in to some kind of a struggle, but that's why we're born a second time, right? And we're born spiritually. Look at what Paul says. This is some of my favorite scripture in the entire Bible. Are you unaware that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? That's why we, we put you in water like this. It's symbolic of a grave. You go under, right? Just like they would cover you with dirt in a grave, you go under the water, and when you rise again, it's like you're coming back from the dead. Therefore, we're buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, look at this, we walk in a newness of life. We're not the same as we used to be. Not perfect, we're still gonna make mistakes, but you have been set free by God's spirit. For if we have been united with him in the likeness of death, certainly we'll be united with him in the likeness of his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified. That's why we don't use that lingo anymore. I'm just a dirty, rotten this. No, 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 no. Jesus didn't die on a cross so you can remain a dirty, rotten whatever. He has changed us. He has saved us. We've been redeemed and we're no longer enslaved to sin since a person who has died, baptized, has been freed from sin. That is one of the most liberating passages in the entire Bible. It is absolutely beautiful. So this is a fresh start. No longer slaves to our sinful lifestyles. We can be delivered we can be permanently changed. We don't talk about deliverance enough in church anymore. Listen, um, if you have not bought David Young from North Boulevard Church of Christ, he just wrote a book. It's a wonderful book. We're doing it as a whole staff right now. It's called King Jesus, and it's about discipleship. And one of the, it is a wonderful book, and it's a very easy read. But if you buy this book, there is a part where David Young talks about his struggle with depression and anxiety. And he says, I was delivered from depression and anxiety. That doesn't mean that sometimes it doesn't slip back into my life, that I don't let it get a stronghold again. But he says, I have to constantly go back and remember that Jesus does not want me to struggle with this, right? That he has delivered me from this. And that's the point of salvation. We are saved from going down a destructive path, right? And God puts us on the correct path and gives us a fresh start, okay? Which leads us to this point. You're not the same as you were. You take on a new identity. 
Now, there's nothing magical. There's nothing magical about that water. That's just Murfreesboro City water. Came right next to the big old trash mountain right there in the river. So anyways, think of that next time you're drinking water at your home. Anyways, so there's no magic formula that we speak when we baptize you. What matters is the genuineness and the state of your heart when you take that step. What we want you to understand is why this is so important and whose identity you are adopting, whose identity you are taking on. This may be the most important scripture for 2020. We live in an era and we live in a culture right now that is in an identity crisis. We try to find our identity in everything. And let me tell you this. If you try to find your identity in anything other than the thing that you have been made in the image of, it's never going to feel right. It's never going to satisfy. And we are not made in the image of race. We're not made in the image of politics. We're not made in the image of nationality. We're not made in the image of economics. We're made in the image of God. And that's first and foremost where we find our identity. Paul actually talks about this. Look at this. For those of you who are baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. There is no Jew or Greek. In the United States, we can say there is no black or white. There is no slave or free. There is no poor or rich. There is no male or female. Your gender is not the whole of who you are. We are all one in Jesus Christ. Listen, that doesn't mean that you can't celebrate your race. It's beautiful to celebrate race. Doesn't mean you can't celebrate your success. That's wonderful if you're successful. Doesn't mean you can't celebrate where you were born. There's nothing wrong with celebrating that. But first and foremost, the lens that we view everything is through the lens of Jesus Christ. That is our identity. So what's beautiful about the church, and I'm not trying to just derail ourselves right here, what was beautiful about, about Friday night is it wasn't that half the worship team was black and the other half was white. It wasn't that we had people from different denominations or from different parts of the world or different parts of, 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 of socioeconomic backgrounds. None of that matters. Our commonality was we're here to glorify Christ, right? That's what the commonality was because that's ultimately where all of our identities lie is in Jesus, Okay. So above all things, we find our identity in him. That's why it's very important to know what this represents. You are taking on the name of Christ. You are a Christian, okay? And then here's the question that that inevitably it always gets to this point. And I'll be straight up with you. I hate this question. But people always ask, and it's not because they have a bad heart or anything, but they ask, well, Corey, do you think you have to do it? Now, here's the thing about that. If you go through the Bible, if you go through the New Testament, every time someone would give their life to Jesus Christ, for instance, the, uh, the Ethiopian eunuch, it's in Acts chapter 8, really great story. Philip uh, uh, meets this Ethiopian eunuch on the road out of Jerusalem, and they talk about the gospel and everything else, and it ends with him getting baptized. But there is this kind of common pattern that recurs throughout the New Testament when people, when people learn who Jesus is. The first one is, of course, is that they believe. Now, that doesn't mean that they're saved. Well, wait a second, Corey. What that means is they understand that there is a God. They understand that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That does not make you saved. How dare you say that? It says that in the book of James that the demons in hell believe that Jesus is everything he says he is. So just knowing right now that Jesus is who he says he is does not save you. It is acting on that knowledge. The first step of acting on that knowledge is asking Jesus to forgive us of our sins. Not just to forgive us of our sins, but to want to walk away from sinful things, to not want to partake in evil. 
It should bother us, brothers and sisters, it should bother us when we do things contrary to what God wants us to do, right? That should bother us. We should have heartfelt sorrow for that. Belief leads to repentance. Hopefully repentance then leads to what I call daily faith or saving faith, which means we trust Jesus. We surrender to Jesus. We have a relationship with Jesus. We pray to Jesus. We read the Bible. We, we, we have this connection, right? This daily dependence and surrender to Jesus. And then always, I shouldn't say always, but almost every single time you see one become a Christian in the New Testament, there's baptism mentioned. Again, the Ethiopian eunuch that Philip meets up with. Philip is telling him all about Jesus, and I'm sure baptism came somewhere up in the conversation because uh, uh, the Ethiopian sees a body of water somewhere, and he goes, Philip, can I go get baptized right there? And Philip goes, I don't know, why not? So they stop and run over, and immediately the Ethiopian gets baptized. Fun fact, and then it says that Philip was basically like transported somewhere. You can look that up on your own. That's pretty crazy. But there is this pattern that happens in the Bible, and baptism is always a part of that pattern. Does that answer the fact that do we have to do it or not? Not really. But I think that that question is a terrible question. Listen, let me, let me break it down, and I don't mean this to sound condemning or make you feel guilty. That's not why I want you to get baptized out of guilt. If you're in this room right now, and, and, and let's say you, you claim to be a Christian, but you haven't been baptized, and you're saying, oh, well, Corey, do I have to? Jesus Christ came down, right? God in the flesh. He came down, he lived a very humble life, and at the end of his very short life, 33 years, he was arrested, he was punched in the face, he was spat upon, they shoved a crown of thorns on his head, ripping the flesh all the way down to the skull. They then took, took him on a hunk of wood and put nine-inch nails through his wrists and his feet, and he hung on that chunk of wood for nine hours until he bled to death. How dare we look up to a God that did that for us and say, do I have to? Do you understand the misalignment with the heart there? And I'm not trying to say that to make you feel bad. I'm not trying to say that to make you feel guilty. But I think we forget the lengths that Jesus Christ has gone to to save us, as, the, as Paul says, while we were still sinners. As Jesus hung on that cross, he looked down at the same Roman soldiers that drove the nails through his hands and feet and said, Father, forgive them. They don't understand what they're doing. And that's why one of those Roman soldiers, when the thunder struck and the mountain cracked, that he gave his life to God. Surely this was the Son of God, right? Because God loves us. And so I think if we approach Jesus with the, with the mindset of how little do I have to do, I think there's a bigger problem there. <laughs> Try that with your wife. Guys, don't really, right? <laughs> Walk up, hey, what's the bare minimum I can do and us not get divorced? <laughs> Make sure you have a really nice couch if you say that, right? <laughs> So if that sounds so absurd that you wouldn't walk up to your spouse and say, what's the bare minimum I can do? Why would we do that to the Lord? Instead of our questions being around what's the least we can do, if we understand how good Jesus has been to us, shouldn't our approach be a little bit more in line with, Lord, I don't care if you have to do it or not. Jesus did it. You smiled on Jesus when he did it. I see all this stuff in the Bible about it. I want to be as close to you as possible. What more can I do for you? What more can I do for you? That's my challenge for any of you today who have not been baptized, and it's not from a place of guilt or condemnation. But I simply want to ask, what has stopped you from taking this step? Guys, it's a blessing. 
I have baptized literally thousands of people and I've never seen someone come out of the water frustrated or, or disappointed that they made that decision. It is a life-changing mile marker. Okay, so here's the thing though. Every single one of us in this room today have a chance to respond in some way to Jesus, okay? The first one is this. We'll have one of our pastors come up here to the front. Carl, if you haven't met Carl, he's a super nice guy. He's in charge of all of our small groups. If you are in this room and you have any questions, listen, we are not offended by questions. If you're in here and you're agnostic, but you're just looking and you're like, I don't know what to do. Listen, come up here and talk to Carl. We are not bothered by questions. We're not bothered by skepticism, any of that. Let's talk. That's your first option if you want to respond today. The second one is what we've been talking about today, baptism. If you go right through these doors when we pray here in a second, we have clothes, we have towels, we'll get some information from you, not to bug you, but just to make sure that you get plugged in. The water is warm, we'll pray for you over here, we'll baptize you, and I give you my words, you will not regret it. And if the Lord is speaking to you about that today, please, please go through this step. It'll be monumental. And then the last thing is this. Some of you have heard me teach on baptism dozens of times. Debbie over here has probably literally heard me teach on baptism a hundred times over the last 11 years. She could come up here and teach this, no problem. But even people who have heard this so many times, we always take communion at the end of service. And I hope if you're a Christian in here, do not ever take for granted what that is. That communion that you hold, the wine and the bread, that symbolizes a, a, a savior that died for us, loves us. Not only that, was resurrected from the grave and we have a piece of him living in us that helps us navigate this life until he comes back for us. That's what that represents, man. That's a big deal, a big deal. And we're to ask Jesus to forgive us before we take that and just be reminded of how much God loves us, okay? So I'm gonna pray. Listen, if you wanna get baptized, straight through there. If you wanna ask Carl a question, he's over here. Um, if you wanna take communion, you're welcome to do that. And you're also welcome to come up here and watch people get baptized whenever we, whenever we do that, okay? Let me pray for you. Father, Lord, I love you so much. My Lord, I love this church so much. God, you have done so many good things. Lord, we have had so many amazing stories this weekend of people getting baptized. God, if there is anyone in this room who is just, maybe right now as I'm talking, they're like, ah, should I, should I not? Lord, gently but firmly push them in the right direction, Jesus, please. Lord, if there's anyone in this room that just needs to take communion today and, and just be reminded how much you love them, pray that they do that. If there's anyone that needs to talk to Carl, God, just give them courage and boldness, Lord, to come and ask questions. God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. Keep your hand on us today, God, and protect all my brothers and sisters, everyone at home today watching online, God. We love you, Father, and we thank you. We pray all these things in your son's name, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys are welcome to help yourself. Thank you so much. Love you guys.